Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Our scripture today is Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16, the parable of the landowner. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give to you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour, and then the ninth hour he did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. 
Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. What comes to your mind when you hear the word grace? Webster defines grace as favor, goodwill, kindness, the free unmerited love and favor of God, the spring and source of all the benefits men receive from Him. Our gospel passage today focuses our minds upon grace, the unfathomable grace of Almighty God. One scholar calls this parable one of the greatest and most glorious of all the parables. This is because there are layers of meaning throughout the story. Like all kingdom parables, it is a mystery, and like all kingdom parables, it proclaims the wonder of the gospel. Jesus began to teach in parables back in Matthew chapter 13. Then in Matthew chapter 14 to 19, he gives several instructions and teachings and performs tremendous miracles. Now Jesus continues his parable teaching in Matthew chapter 20 with the story of the landowner. Look at verse 1. Do you see the word for? Whenever you see the word for in Scripture, you need to ask, what's it there for? The word for connects chapter 20 with chapter 19. In chapter 19, the rich young man represents all who wish to enter the kingdom of God on their own merits. Do you remember the story? The rich young man came to Jesus and asked, What must I do that I might gain eternal life? Jesus gave him an assignment to point out that he could not save himself on his own efforts. Jesus said, Give away everything you have and come, follow me. But he couldn't do it because he trusted more in his wealth than in God. Entrance into the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of doing, but of receiving. The rich young man personally discovered that doing will not bring a relationship with God in his kingdom. The parable of the landowner proclaims that only receiving brings reconciliation, union, and communion with God in his kingdom. The rich young man rejected Christ and went away sorrowful. Why? Because he could not bear to enter the kingdom of God on the basis of grace. He was eager to do something on his own merit to enter into the kingdom. We begin our relationship with God by grace. That union is daily sustained by grace, and our inheritance in God's kingdom is ultimately achieved by grace. We must avoid self-assessed piety. It is not for us to look into the mirror every morning and ask, How holy am I today? That's self-righteousness, 
not the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, in which we are clothed through God's unmerited favor. Rather, our daily attitude ought to be, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Cleanse my heart and teach me how to love and adore you more and more. Now in chapter 20 of Matthew, Jesus continues teaching on the kingdom. And one of the layers of meaning in this wonderful parable is how God extends grace to those who enter his kingdom. He says that the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who graciously pays all his day workers the same full day's wage, irrespective of the work they have done. Verse 2 of our passage in Matthew 20 says, And when the landowner had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. What was the wage? The wage was a penny a single Roman denarius, which was the normal wage for a day laborer. So here's how the parable unfolds. Normal Jewish working hours were from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Day laborers were not on a salary, but hired from day to day depending on the needs of the harvest. If there was a good crop of grapes that year and the rains were coming soon, Many men were needed to harvest the grapes before the rain came and ruined the crop. So men would come to the marketplace and wait until landowners hired them. The landowner came to the marketplace early in the morning, perhaps 5.30 a.m., and hired the first batch of workers. Then he did the same thing again at the third, sixth, ninth, and eleventh hours, which would be 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. Then came closing time, 6 p.m. And he told his steward, Pay all the workers beginning with the ones who were hired last at 5 in the afternoon, only one hour before closing time. So everyone lined up to receive their wages, and behold, the workers who were hired at the 11th hour who only worked for one hour, were paid a penny, a whole day's wage. Then the ones hired at three o'clock were also paid a whole day's wage. Then the ones hired at noon, all the way down to those who worked the whole day in the hot sun. All were paid the same wage. This strange way of paying day workers caused significant grumbling. Those who were first hired early in the morning thought they would be paid more since they had worked through the heat of the day. They grumbled at the landowner and cried, Not fair! Workers revolt! We demand just wages! The landowner tells the day workers who were first hired early in the morning in verse 13 and 14, Why are you grumbling? I am doing you no wrong. You agreed to work for a denarius, and I paid you what I promised. Why are you envious of your brothers? Why do you criticize my generosity? I can do what I wish with what is my own. As with all kingdom parables, the central truth of this parable concerns the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is present 
in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Let's continue our lesson. Because the kingdom of God is at hand, it is the hour of reckoning. We must respond. We must repent and believe in the gospel. What is the gospel, beloved? It is the gospel of free grace. It is the message of a person gained and a kingdom entered, not by our human efforts, but as a gift of God's grace lovingly bestowed upon those who believe. As the landowner gives the day's pay to all he hires, irrespective of how long they work, so God gives the blessing of entering the kingdom to all hired workers equally. This is an amazing truth. The principle of the world is that the one who works the longest receives the most pay. But the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. In the kingdom of God, the principle of merit and ability is set aside so that the riches of God's grace may prevail. How is grace revealed in this story? Primarily in the unexplained actions of the landowner. We don't know, for example, why the landowner goes out to the marketplace to hire five times a day and even including just one hour before pay time. We don't know why he brings in all the workers he can find and doesn't even stop to choose those who seem healthier or more motivated to work. And he does this work himself when he could have sent his manager. Then there is the same pay for all the workers. Can't the landowner see how unfair this is? What kind of a landowner is he anyway? It turns out that he knows exactly what he's doing, and he tells his manager to give the workers their pay beginning with the last and then going to the first. He could have eased the situation by paying the workers in the order in which they'd been hired. Those hired first would have left the vineyard with their denarius and not been upset by what happened next. But Jesus intended the first comer to see the last ones receive one denarius. Why? Because God wants to demonstrate his generosity and his loving kindness. The point is not so much that the landowner is partial to some workers as that he wants to give the first and the last the same wages. He gives to everyone according to their needs, not on the basis of their merits. Years ago in 1871, the story was told of a very talented French chef named Babette who fled Paris to avoid the French Revolution. She found shelter in a small village on the coast of Denmark, where she lived with two frugal spinster sisters who belonged to a religious group founded by their pastor father. The father, now deceased and the members growing older, 
They were stoic, unmoved by joy or grief. They had become legalistic. Babette cares for the sisters and serves them as cook and housekeeper for nothing more than room and board. No one in the village knows that Babette is the famous chef from the most renowned restaurant in all of Paris. Many years pass by. Through Babette's kindness to the sisters, their lives and finances have improved. One day, Babette receives word by mail that she has won the French lottery of 10,000 francs, or $60,000 in today's economy. Astonished at her good fortune, Babette prepares to leave Denmark to return to France. Meanwhile, the hundredth anniversary of the religious group is approaching, and the two sisters plead with Babette to prepare a celebration dinner to honor their pastor father. After some reflection, Babette decides to cook a real French meal for the sisters and their religious group. She lovingly spends her entire lottery winnings on the ingredients for the meal. She prepares everything herself and then personally serves the feast. Babette has prepared a rich, sumptuous affair with color, texture, and delight. Fine linens drape the table festooned with gleaming silver candlesticks and elegant china. The food itself is a wonder. Quail, fresh turtle soup, graceful decanters of wine, pastries of exquisite lightness, sauces of unutterable delicacy, a cake cradled in a nest of ripe fruits and drizzled with sweet liqueur. At the end of the meal, there are glimmering grapes and figs that burst open with their own succulent ripeness. Babette has spared no expense. Indeed, she has given all to prepare the feast of a lifetime. Seated as one of the guests at the banquet table is General Lohenheim, a famous French statesman of no small stature. He is utterly astonished to find such exquisite fare unfolding in magnificence before the twelve guests, course by course, plate after plate, drink after drink. He rises to his feet and speaks of a famous French chef, a woman who in the years before the revolution was renowned for her culinary artistry. He said that the chef made dining a love affair in which there was no distinction between spiritual and physical appetites. The general remarks that the food before him is the very food he had once savored from the hands of this famous French chef. He confesses that this elegant experience has changed him from within, saying, There comes a time when our eyes are opened and we realize that mercy is infinite. We need only await it with confidence and receive it with gratitude. Mercy imposes no conditions. It takes all to its bosom and proclaims amnesty. That which we have rejected is poured out upon us. When the guests finally leave the table at the end of the meal, 
Each one is completely transformed from within. They have reconciled with one another. They have dropped old quarrels and received forgiveness. They have come to understand the riches of God's unfathomable grace. And this is the point of this wonderful story. Babette's lavish feast is the grace of a lush banquet which feeds not only the body but the soul. It is a picture of the marriage feast of the Lamb, the gospel feast where all longings and hungers of the heart are met and fulfilled. Course after course of grace and mercy is served. The wine symbolizing the newness of God's kingdom flows freely. Food overwhelms in its abundance of beauty and taste. Babette herself in this story is an icon of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord came humbly to live with mankind and take upon himself the role of a servant. Babette did what the rich man could not do. She gave all she had her entire lottery winnings to provide an overwhelmingly gracious banquet. So did our Lord Jesus Christ give all he had, his life, his teaching, his miracles, himself, his body, his blood, to provide for us the glorious banquet feast of the gospel. Have you experienced the unfathomable riches of God's grace? Are you seated at the great gospel feast of Jesus Christ, eagerly partaking of his goodness? Have you received Christ as Lord and Savior and been baptized into his church? If you have never surrendered your body, mind, soul, and spirit to the creator of the universe, I urge you to do this right now. Let's review the tremendous truth of this parable of the kingdom once again. It teaches us the wonder of God's unfathomable grace. All mankind must bow in surrender to the grace of Almighty God. We have no claims upon God. We have all sinned against Him and chosen to rebel from His love. We desperately need His mercy. God, as the landowner, goes out to find us to invite us into his vineyard when he certainly can do without us. Does God need any of us? Does he whom all the hosts of heaven worship and before whose throne the cherubim cover their faces need man's worship and allegiance? No. God is great. He is supremely great beyond our conception great above us, great beneath us, great within us. He doesn't need mankind. We desperately need him. Let's apply the teaching of the parable of the landowner to our own lives. First, to the elderly in my audience. Some of you have spent many long years running away from God. You have lived perhaps 60, 70, 80 years or more without responding to God's grace. What a tragedy. How many long years have gone never to be recovered, and still you are resisting God's grace. You may have only a few years, perhaps only a few weeks to live. Come to Jesus. 
Come now before it is too late. Turn to him, repent of your sins, and believe in his gospel, his death on the cross for you. Some of you are still young. You may be in your 20s, 30s, or 40s. You say, I'm not yet that old. I'm not at my 11th hour. There's plenty of time to deal with God and religion when I get older. The best years of my life are ahead of me. Don't bother me with talk about God, the Bible, judgment, and grace. I urge you to listen to the words of King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He said, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days draw near. The conclusion of all is this, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this applies to every person. Whether we are elderly or young or middle-aged, the Sovereign God is calling us to enter into His vineyard, to enjoy all the good and blessing of His kingdom. It is our great privilege to do good work in a good place for a good master receiving a good reward. All of life is a gift, and all of life comes to us by the immeasurable grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. To those in my listening audience who have not yet responded to God's wonderful invitation of grace, I urge you, come, come today. Open your heart to the glorious grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you, that you might be brought back into a relationship with God that you might enjoy real union and communion with your Creator. Turn to Jesus now. Tell Him that you believe in Him. Tell Him that you trust Him to forgive your sins. Ask Him to make you a new person from the inside out. To those who are already followers of Jesus Christ and members of God's church, are you working hard for your Master? There is nothing more satisfying, more fulfilling than to work for God in the vineyard of his kingdom. Matthew Steenberg, a godly theologian, writes, Christ's call is not for man to occasionally remember the kingdom towards which he strives and to have that remembrance give some shape to his daily life in the world. His call is for man to be wholly shaped and formed by the seeking of the kingdom. The object of the Christian's vision at every moment is to be the kingdom of God. The focus of every deliberation, of every act, of every thought is to be God's righteousness and His kingdom. O oh, beloved, how many of our choices are based only on this present life between birth and the grave. We must rise up and recapture a vision of our whole life, everything we do and say and are and have, oriented towards our eternal kingdom. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, how we thank you 
for the mystery and wonder of the parable teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take this passage from Matthew 20 and wing it into our hearts that we might understand your truth, apply it to our lives, and live in the good of your eternal kingdom. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with God at Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. We always appreciate hearing from our listening audience. Please get in touch with us, share a prayer request, and we will pray for you. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. <laughs>